Welcome to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Today, you are going to learn how to outsmart emotional eating and live a life of happiness and joy without giving up the foods you love. Now, here is Dr. Nina. Hi, welcome to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. I'm your host, Dr. Nina Savelle Rocklin. I am a psychoanalyst, and I am here to help you liberate yourself from emotional eating, take control of your life, and feel good in your body, all without dieting, counting a single macro, or spending hours in the gym. So today is the first uh, it, it's it's the first Thursday of the month. It's also the first Thursday of the year. Happy New Year. Happy 2024. Oh my gosh, 2024. Shouldn't we be, I don't know, wandering around in jetpacks or something? That's how I thought it was always going to be. Okay, enough of that. Let me get back on track. Today, we're going to talk about how to get rid of food anxiety and any other question that you have. For those of you who are on uh, the live stream on Instagram, please feel free to drop a comment or a question if you have one. And if you are listening to the show on Voice America Live, you are welcome to call in and join me. The number is 866-472-5792. 866-472-5792. I'd love to hear what is on your mind, what is eating at you and weighing on you because the real problem with binge eating, stress eating, any kind of emotional eating, the real problem is not food. It's what's going on inside. So food anxiety, how do you get rid of food anxiety? So when we talk about food anxiety, we're not just talking about one thing. There are different kinds of anxiety that can come up. There's anticipatory food anxiety. I'll just run through them and then I, I will um, be more specific about what they are. So there's the anticipatory or, you know, anticipatory dread, <laughs> anticipatory anxiety. There's restrictive food anxiety. There's uh, consumption anxiety, post-consumption anxiety, body image anxiety, and social food anxiety. So when we talk about food anxiety, I, I really want you to realize like what kind of anxiety do you have? So in terms of anticipatory, that is the anxiety that comes up as you are uh, uh, heading to dinner or going to a party, or you know you're going to be eating uh, somewhere with other people, maybe, or in some situation, and you don't know what's going to be served. You don't know what food options will be available. You're worrying about being around tempting foods and you're worried that you might eat something that triggers a binge. So this kind of anxiety is often about deprivation um, or, uh, or the availability of something that you have been depriving yourself of. One reason why people binge eat is actually a, about deprivation. This is why diets lead to binge eating. Dieting is about deprivation in some way. It is you can have this, but you can't have that. And whatever it is that you can't have, guess what? Human psychology being what it is, you are going to want the thing that you think you cannot have. So eventually, if the thing is available, if you're telling yourself, I can't eat cake, I can't have anything with the carb, I can't have sugar. And you're worried, oh my gosh, I'm going to this event or this party, and what if they they serve dessert? What am I going to do? Well, 
you've already set yourself up because you're not allowing yourself to eat sugar. So when it is available, you're more likely to have it. And then if you have diet mentality, which is the, I can eat this, but not that. And what goes with diet mentality often is the all or nothing. So, oh my gosh, I ate a piece of cake. I have ruined the day. The day is ruined. I messed up. Now I, I might as well eat all the things I haven't been allowing myself to have. And that becomes a binge. So it's really important to, to deprive yourself of deprivation, to not diet or not restrict, because it may sound counterintuitive, but the more you actually allow yourself to have the foods you think you cannot have, the more power you feel because you can choose to have it or not. And when you when you take away any kind of morality or I was good or I was bad because I ate that and you can just say, okay, I ate cake. Was it good? Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Going on with my day and, and, and take away that sense of I was bad because I ate cake. I'm not supposed to eat cake. I should. And by the way, I'm talking about cake, but it's anything that goes into your, I can't have it, uh, category. Um, it, it, the, the, the more empowered you are, the more you, you give yourself permission, true permission, not the fake. I know I should give myself permission, but the true permission. And you're not using food for comfort, for, for distraction, to go numb for, for all the things that go along with uh, emotional eating, binge eating, you know, eating disorder e eating. Um, but the more you really give yourself permission, the more you can decide, do you want it? And if so, how much? And if it's not good, maybe you're not going to have it as opposed to, I don't care. This cake isn't very good, but I'm eating cake because I haven't had cake for, you know, however long. And, you know, and after this, I'm going to have all the other things I haven't been allowing myself to have. And then I'm going to beat myself up. So this kind of thinking really leads, this is anticipatory food anxiety, worrying about how am I going to be tempted that can can eventually lead to binging. I have shared, if you've listened to the, the show, you've probably heard me talk about the woman who had anxiety about uh, vanilla milkshakes. And she, if you've heard it this already, it does not hurt to hear it again. And if you haven't heard it, here goes. So this woman came to me and she said, Dr. Nina, Every day she tells me that she, every day she tells herself she is not going to eat vanilla milkshake on her way home from work. Every day she tells herself she is not going to have it. And every day she goes to, I don't, I forget what it was, in and out or Wendy's or someplace and orders a vanilla milkshake. So she asked me to help her to stop her vanilla milkshake addiction. I said, okay. You got to do exactly what I tell you to do. You ready? She's like, I'll do anything. I'll do anything. I said, okay, tomorrow when you leave work and the next day and the next day and the next day, every day until we meet again next week, here's what I want you to do. She leans forward in her chair. Yes, tell me, give me the secret. I said, I want you to go and get a vanilla milkshake. The look on her face was pretty priceless. It was like, oh my God, Dr. Nina is actually insane. Um, but I said, look, there is method to my madness. So will you do it? And she said, yes, I will do it. But what? I, I, I don't want to have vanilla milkshakes. I know. I realize that. Just 
do it. So she does it. And four days in, she calls me and she tells me, do I have to keep eating those vanilla milkshakes? I'm really sick of vanilla milkshakes. Do I have to keep eating them until I see you next week? So what happened? When she told herself she couldn't have them, it's all that she wanted. And she had so much anxiety about it and it was it was deprivation and it was forbidden and she wanted the things she couldn't have. And so she had to have it. When I gave her permission to have it, in fact, not only permission, I told her, I ordered her to have it. Then she could actually decide, does she want it or not? Right? And that's the power of deprivation and how it makes us so anxious and it leads to binging. It leads to overeating. It leads to binging. Now, why was she eating why was she so into vanilla milkshakes other than the fact that they were uh, they were like forbidden fruit, forbidden ice cream? There were other reasons for that. Primarily, she didn't know how to comfort herself, didn't know how to self-soothe. So that's another part of it. But first, we had to break this milkshake habit by really realizing what it was about. Okay, so that's anticipatory when you're worried about what's going to be served and can you have it or not have it. Oh, it's the worst. So related to that is restrictive food anxiety, which is this, this anxiety of, I, I can only have this much. I can only have this, this many calories, this many carbs, this many backgrounds. I'm, I'm, you know, like I'm on my app and I'm making sure constantly that I haven't gone above and I've met my macro goals. And it becomes this source of anxiety that just takes over your life. And then you get anxiety about even wanting something that's outside your macro count. So, and of course, this is related to what I just talked about, the anticipatory, restrictive food anxiety, eventually, if you want the thing that you cannot have. But if we're just talking about the anxiety, really look at the rigidity that you have in terms of your expectations of yourself. Because if, you, if, if you're doing... It, if you're doing this in this way and you're just thinking in a restrictive way, you are separating yourself from your ability to tune in and eat intuitively and know what your body wants if you're just going on a diet or you think you should have this but not that. And it is really impossible in my experience of over 20 years as a psychoanalyst specializing in eating disorders, primarily binge eating and bulimia. In my 20 years of exclusively seeing people with eating disorders with, well, one exception, but her daughter had an eating disorder. And as a coach, seeing people all over the world, I've helped thousands of people. And one thing that I can tell you for sure is you cannot eat intuitively until you figure out the emotional reasons for why you are eating. Or are you depriving yourself? So part of it is make sure you're not depriving yourself. Make sure that you are not in that deprivation mentality, aka diet mentality, which is some form of eat this but not that because deprivation leads to binging. And make sure that you are not eating to cope. Binge eating disorder is the most prevalent eating disorder there is. The most prevalent that... So many people don't realize they have. They think they have no willpower. They think they have no control. They think they're food addicts. No, they have a diagnosable, 
treatable condition. And it is, it is, it, it is a coping strategy. If you are binge eating or emotional eating, we'll, we'll say binge eating, um, you are trying to solve a problem with food. People think that food is the problem. No, it is not the problem. Nobody has a problem with food. And I stand by that. What do I mean by that? You have a problem with coping. You have a problem responding to yourself. You have a problem with sadness or anger or uh, self-soothing. You have a problem with, with doing that. Eating is your solution to that problem. This is why I, you know, I've, I've shared the story of when how I was the poster child for eating disorders from the age of five. You know, I mean, it, I wasn't an eat, I didn't have an eating disorder at the age of five, but I was had body image issues and oh, where it started worrying about food at the age of five. By the time I was a teenager, yeah, I was full on poster child for eating disorders and would just always be on some restrictive diet. Eventually, my willpower would fail. I would eat the kitchen. Sometimes I'd purge. That's why I was the poster child for eating disorders. But when I went to therapy, finally in college, I never talked about food. Not once. My therapist had no idea that I was, in fact, the poster child for eating disorders. She had no clue. But she did help me see that I was really a perfectionist. I had a lot of black and white thinking. I was really hard on myself. I was really self-critical. And as that began to change, so did my relationship with food. So by the time I left therapy, all my eating disorders were gone for good. That's why I talk about the binge cure. There is a way out. I'm not calling it the binge recovery. It's the binge cure. I would like to say you know, liberation, but that's too long. <laughs> Easier to say the binge cure. So what happened was that by changing my relationship with myself, I wasn't using food to escape myself. I wasn't using thoughts of food to escape certain uncomfortable thoughts or feelings. I wasn't eating or, or dieting or restricting or doing any of the things to cope. I was coping differently. I learned how to respond to myself. I learned to be nicer to myself. This is sounds so simple. It's not simple. I fully recognize that. But this is the this is the this is the key. To change your relationship with food, you got to change your relationship with yourself. That's what I'm here to help you do. If you have any questions, if you are uh, again if you are uh, watching on Instagram, you have any questions or any comments, Feel free to drop drop it in the comment box. If you are listening on Voice America, the number is 866-472-5792. I would love to hear from you and have you join the conversation. Again, the first Thursday of every month, I do a Ask Dr. Nina segment in which I, in case I take questions and this person had asked about how do I get rid of food anxiety and I have some other questions too. I answer your questions. So if you have any burning questions and you don't want to call me and you're not on Instagram, just send me an email or, or find me on Facebook. Join my Dr. Nina's uh, Food for Thought community on Facebook and ask me anything. I will answer you here. Uh, the third, The third kind of food anxiety is consumption anxiety and that's like when you're actually eating and you feel out of control and you're guilty and you feel shame and you're beating yourself up while you are eating. 
So you can't really enjoy anything if you are eating and feeling guilty and shaming yourself and beating yourself up. So the the anxiety about eating is really what that is. That that you, you it's not just about I'm eating this food. It's I hate myself. I can't believe I'm eating this. I'm going to gain weight. Oh my god, if people knew or whatever goes through your mind. That that's the anxiety about the actual experience of eating and and what it's going to do to you, which brings me to post-eating anxiety, which is you feel so guilty, you feel so so full of shame and and you're disappointed in yourself. And it's after a binge episode or after you eat something you didn't want to eat because you're on a diet. And of course, that leads to binging. How many times can I say it? Many, many, many times. By the way, again, the diet industry is a $60 billion industry. Do you think a $60 billion industry is interested in having people be successful in their diets? It's like a car manufacturers making a car that that lasts forever. It's not going to happen because they want you to buy new cars, right? What would happen to the car industry if they made cars that lasted forever? The car industry would die. And so same with the diet industry. They want you to keep dieting. So that's why every year there's some new version of eat this, but not that. And then, by the way, if you lose weight, you'll lose all the parts of yourself that you don't like and you will gain the life that you want. This is the illusion that they are selling you. And it's wrong because you can't create the life that you want simply by losing weight. You can't make anyone like you better simply by losing weight. I mean, imagine if that were Uh, True. What a superpower that would be. Oh, that person doesn't like me. Well, I'll show them I'll lose weight and then they'll like me. You could control other people by controlling your weight. Imagine. Well, it doesn't work that way. That's fantasy world. That's the world that the diet industry sells us. So we don't want to fall for that $60 billion lie. The diet industry is liars. Um, uh, Okay, I got off on a rant. <laughs> so uh, after after you've eaten, after you've binged, post-consumption, post-eating anxiety is you just beating yourself up for what you just ate and feeling terrible and getting really worried about what how it's going to affect your your body, what if or what if people knew, or what does this mean about you, and all of those things. And this kind of leads to body image anxiety which is a form of food anxiety because it's it's an incredible worry about what eating this food is going to do to your body. Again, when I was the poster child for eating disorders, I would wake up vowing to be good that day. That was my first thought. I'm going to be good. And my second thought was when I get on that scale, is it going to go down or is it going to go up? Which basically set the tone for my whole day. Can you relate? Is the, is the scale like 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 if it goes down, it's it's you know it's your best friend, and if it goes up, your day is ruined. Who can relate? Uh, so that's that is another kind of anxiety, and it could lead to just obsession and more dieting and body checking and all kinds of things. So if you're going to sleep at night, as I used to, thinking, "Am I going to gain weight the next morning or lose it?" then that's body image anxiety related to what you ate during the day. 
Then there's social food anxiety. That's when you're really anxious about eating in front of other people at restaurants or at, at a dinner party or what have you, or at lunch. Um, it's about worrying about what people will think of you uh, if you order pasta versus what they will think of you if you order salad. And it's just anxiety about uh, being judged, being judged for your food choices, being judged for how you look for, for all the things or worried that you're eating too fast or you ate too much and people are thinking, oh my gosh, that person is eating so much. Here's what you need to know about this kind of social food anxiety. Usually, usually when you have this anxiety about what other people are thinking as you're eating, if you're worried, oh my gosh, they're thinking, why did she order that? She shouldn't eat, be eating that. Or, oh, she's, uh, you know, she she shouldn't be yeah she shouldn't be eating that what, what she shouldn't eat anything you know all the things that people think other people are thinking those are probably your thoughts projected into other people back at you most people are not concerned with what you are eating or making judgments about what you are eating and if they are well what do you think about that what do you think about that? What do you think about them for being so judgmental? Not, oh, you have to dodge their judgment. So those are the kinds of anxieties that uh, when we talk about food anxiety, we're talking about them. Anticipatory, restrictive, eating, after eating, body image anxiety, and social food anxiety. So think about which one of those resonates the most with you. Uh, whatever it is, really question that the idea that um, you should eat this but not that, that people are judging you, and really examine your relationship with yourself. Because often we are so mean, we are so harsh, so critical, we speak to ourselves in a way that nobody else would ever speak to us, which makes us turn to food for comfort to escape our own mean voice. That is why changing a relationship with yourself is everything. Okay, so here's another question from Anonymous. She, she uh, or he, I don't know, it could be either. They, they say they use food to soothe their anxious mind and to decompress, but they also enjoy eating. Well, guess what? We're supposed to enjoy eating. That's the point. If we weren't supposed to enjoy eating, P.S., we'd all be eating, you know, astronaut pellets or whatever, or having some kind of injections. No, food is one of the pleasures of life. So, of course, you must enjoy eating. Um, people often say, well, I should just, you know, eat, 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 to, eat to live, not live to eat. Well, guess what? There's an in-between because just eating to live, that's the aforementioned astronaut pellets. That is not pleasurable. Nor, nor is it good to, you know, live to eat. Anything in excess is not good. But in between is, yes, choose foods that are, you know, more healthy than not. Uh, dietitians say if, you, if, you, if you're 70% healthy, then, you know, the 30% should just be whatever. And enjoy it. That's why my one food rule is it must be yummy. 
It must be yummy is my one and only food rule. If it is not yummy, I will not eat it. I suggest that you take that food rule up for you. It's the only food rule I believe in. All right, so this person says that when they think about portion control or not allowing overeating on a daily basis, they say their inner toddler stomps their feet and does what they want. Well, of course. And instead of an inner toddler, it's a, a you know a part of them that doesn't want to be restricted and deprived. Everybody has an inner toddler that says, uh-uh, I want what I want. And if you're constantly at war with yourself and telling yourself you can have this but not that, as I was talking about earlier, of course you're going to want the thing that you cannot have or that you're telling yourself you cannot have. So it's not an in inner toddler. It's, yeah, it's rebellious eating. It's like, you won't, you won't take that away from me. Mm-mm. And allowing overeating, I guess what I would say to that is that uh, what is that overeating doing for them? And, the, and overeating is often tied to uh, deprivation. I can't have it. So I want it. So I'm going to have, I'm going to have it. I'm going to have more of it because I can, because I can, because it makes me feel good because it's comforting because it's the only thing that I do for fun because it's filling a void because it's, you know, helps me self-soothe because, 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 right? It's what problem is that food solving for you? Not the food is the problem. Um, they also go on to say, that when they think about a healthier version of themselves, they don't want the exhaustion of what they, they they think. I don't. They don't want the exhaustion that comes with trying to maintain as an attempt at perfection. Okay, so it sounds to me that uh, they are, you know, that when they find new ways, with what they say, uh, yeah. Talk about they talk about it. It's it's a long paragraph. I won't go into it. Um, but you know, if if you're you've got to figure out why you're eating and not focusing on what you're eating. You've got to take away the deprivation and give yourself permission to have it, like the woman with the vanilla milkshakes. When you have permission, you can decide if you want it and if so, how much. And you won't want something if you can have it any time. You can that's why you can decide if you want it. And then you have to look at why you're using food. It's not just about deprivation. Are you comforting yourself? Are you soothing yourself? Is it the only time you have me time? Is it the only time you do something for you? Is it filling a void symbolically? Are you lonely? Are you tired? Are you eating to wake up? Are you eating to uh, sedate yourself and calm down? These are all really important questions to ask yourself. Nobody eats compulsively when they have a reliable way of self-soothing and comforting themselves. Nobody eats compulsively when they can self-soothe. Binge eating is not the problem. It is a solution to the problem. The problem is not being able to be with yourself in some way that feels... Um, you know, reliably gentle and nurturing and, and, you know, and that's what you want to cultivate is a way to respond to yourself differently. When you do that, you don't need food to cope. You don't need it to be your only friend. You don't need it for fun. You don't need it for alone time. You don't need it for all the things.
So uh, we are coming up on a break right now. I will be back in two minutes for more questions and answers. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Are you tired of the endless cycle of dieting and binging? Ready to break free from emotional eating and regain control of your life? Look no further than The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina, the transformative radio show that will empower you on your journey to food freedom. Dr. Nina is here to guide you every step of the way. Join her as she delves into the true causes of binge eating, uncovers hidden triggers, and gives you effective strategies for lasting change. With practical tips and inspiring stories of transformation, The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina will help you nurture a healthier mindset, embrace self-compassion, and rediscover your true self. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Have questions for Dr. Nina? Join her on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now back to the show. Welcome back to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. I'm your host, Dr. Nina Savelle Rockland, and today we are talking about how to get rid of food anxiety and other questions. And I have a question from a listener on Instagram who asks, what are some good coping strategies in place of eating when you're feeling sad and depressed, etc.?" Okay, that's a great question because in our culture, uh, when we're feeling sad and depressed or whatever, we're often told, oh, you're sad, you're depressed. Well, take a pill or here are all the things you have to be, here are all the reasons you have to be happy. So, hey, get happy is the 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 point, right? And so you're not allowed to be sad. You're supposed to just stop being sad and get happy. And of course you want to stop being sad. You don't want to be depressed, but it doesn't help to be told that you should be happy. And eating is comforting, it is soothing, and it helps you escape. So as she says, it is a coping strategy. So what to do instead? Well, think about it this way. If a friend was sad and depressed, would you say to the friend, hey, I got you, I know just what to do. I'm gonna get some ice cream, Let's, right? Let No one can be, 
No one can be depressed when they're eating ice cream. Actually, I I had a, a patient whose mother used to actually say that. Her mother would say, don't be depressed. Let's get some ice cream. You won't be depressed if you're, you won't be sad if you have ice cream. So is it any wonder this person you know, started eating a lot of ice cream later in life? Okay, so what to do instead? Um, you think about what you would say to a friend. And I and and whatever it is that you say to a friend, I want you to start saying it to yourself. So often we are not present with ourselves the way we are with our friends. We we dismiss ourselves, but we're very kind to others. We get mad at ourselves, but we're so understanding of others. So treat yourself as you would treat a friend. And I want to give you a specific strategy to do that because that all sounds nice, but kind of vague. And how do you do that? Well, I came up with this acronym because I love acronyms. Vary your response to yourself. And very stands for validate, acknowledge, and reassure yourself. So if you are sad, the first thing you got to say is, yes, I am sad. I am really depressed. If you know why, you say, of course I feel this way. I'm going through a hard time or I'm just struggling or I have, you know, my chemistry is off or whatever it is. Of course I'm sad. How can I not be given this situation? So you really have to acknowledge that you feel it and validate that you feel it as opposed to our culture that says, oh, you're sad. Hey, look on the bright side. Oh, you're sad. Well, just take a pill. Oh, you're sad. Well, here, you know what? Think of all the good. Think of what you have to be grateful for. Oh, this weaponizing of gratitude and positive thinking is the worst thing possible for anyone who is struggling because now you feel bad and then you feel bad that you feel bad because you can't positive think it away. Guess what? You can't positive think away sadness. You can't positive think away depression. You can't positive think away anything. So first you say, yes, I am depressed. I am sad. This is hard. This is really painful and awful. I hate this. Validate it. Acknowledge it. Validate it. And then reassure. Now reassure is not positive thinking away. Reassuring is I've been depressed and sad in the past. I have the wherewithal to get through this. And I am going to get through this too. Right now it's hard and I am sad, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get through the other side of it. Or you tell yourself that there's a specific situation that's making you sad and depressed. I've handled tough things in the past. I'm going to handle this situation. What you know? Let me think about strategies that I can do. Let me remember my strengths and my capacities and be you know, encouraging of yourself too. When you are coping with words in a kind way, that then you don't need food to, to cope or es escape or distract because you're you're coping directly with the, the the true problem, which is sadness or depression. Um, and the other thing to really keep in mind is to do this in a very nurturing, kind, warm, encouraging, supportive way. 
often when I give this advice to people and they try to be, uh, they, they try to speak to themselves, they'll say things like, yeah, I'm depressed. Um, of course, I feel this way. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get through it, which doesn't help anybody. You wouldn't say that to a friend in that way. You wouldn't be like, yeah, you're depressed, but you're going to get through it. No, a soothing tone is like a verbal hug. So speak to yourself in as soothing and comforting and encouraging and kind and warm way that you can. Yes, I feel sad. This is hard. I'm depressed. I'm going through a really hard time. Of course I feel this way. How else could I feel given, you know, what's going on? And I know I'm going to get through it. But right now, it's really hard. But I, I'm, I, I know I'm going to get to the other side. But, you know, going through it is not easy. So what do I need to feel better right now that isn't food? Does that help? So that coping strategy is basically, first, you identify what's going on. Um, and if you're turning to food, you, there is a reason. Either you are de either it's deprivation, or you are coping with something that's going on inside. And if you don't know what that is, that's because we turn to food so darn fast we don't even know we're being triggered. We think we're being triggered by food. No, we're being triggered by some situation, some emotion, some conflict, something going on inside that. But we we go we 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 don't want to know we don't want to think about we don't want to see we don't want to address so we go right to food as a distraction from that and it's a it works right it's a really good distraction it works temporarily but then it also it's a friend it's a frenemy it works it helps but it also makes you feel guilty and bad and ashamed it's bad for your body it's bad for your self esteem it's much more an enemy than it is a friend. So first you want to identify what's going on. And if you if you, if it's out of your awareness, that's why I created my food mood formula, um, which I talk about in my book. And I think I'm going to have like a little freebie. Um, if, if you're interested, let me know and get on my email list and I will send you my food mood formula guide uh, uh, to help you identify. But just I'll just say this. Uh, if you're turning to ice cream, that ice cream, for example, is, is a need for comfort. If you're fill, using filling foods, that's a void, a void or loneliness or some kind of emptiness in your life. And uh, anything crunchy is some form of anger, frustration, annoyance, irritation, rage. So first you identify, well, what's going on with you? And then you express it. Before you do the very, you express it. Oh, I am sad because of this. I am depressed because of that. And it means that. I am I'm upset because of this. And it means that. Right? You really have to express the sadness, express the depression, and express what it means about what, what the situation means to you. Like uh, I'm, I'm just kind of making making this up, but uh, I'm I'm so I'm so sad that my friend uh, has canceled on me twice. It, it means she doesn't want to be friends anymore. Right? 
So we often interpret things in a certain way and we take our interpretations as facts when they're just fantasies, they're just ideas. And then we have real feelings about uh, the, you know, something that may not actually be happening. That's what if versus what is. So what if thinking is, what if it means this? What if this happens? What if that happens? Which gives you real time anxiety or sadness or what have you in the present about something that is not happening. So first identify what's going on with you, express it, and then use very as a way of comforting yourself. That is a strategy that will help and that is a strategy that will eventually take the place of turning to food. But you've got to do it from a place of really caring genuinely about yourself, from a stance of not like, oh, gotta, I gotta figure myself out, but more like, I, I want to be here for myself. I care about me, and I care about my well being, and I'm showing up for me big difference. Motivation and intention has a lot to do with it too. All right. I think we have about 10 minutes left to the show. Um, here's a question I, I, I got. A uh, person says, I've heard your thoughts on Ozempic, but what about Vyvanse? I'm thinking about taking it because I'm desperate. Who can relate, whether it's Vyvanse or Ozempic or something used to be, you know, the, the sleeve, gastric bypass, all of these things. So Vyvanse is a medication that was approved to treat binge eating disorder uh, with ADHD. And it works by influencing the dopamine levels in your brain, which impacts reward pathways, blah, 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 blah. So in some people, it does reduce binge urges, but ultimately when it comes to binge eating disorder, this is, it is not just in your brain, your mind, your mind is powerful. Our minds affect our brains. Our brains affect our minds, but I find that our minds are more powerful than our brains. Our brain is just an organ in our body um, with neuropathways that can be changed with the power of our minds. So here's why I have a problem with medications of, of all kinds. They do not address the root psychological or emotional drivers that lead to binge eating. Um, they manage behaviors in the short run, I find, but doesn't treat the underlying issues. Remember, uh, uh, you can't medicate away uh, poor self-image or uh, trauma or lack of coping skills. You can't medicate that away. You can't change it through medication. You can only change it by changing your relationship with yourself, figuring out what, why, you, you, why you came to feel this way about yourself, how you came to believe this about yourself, whatever this is, and change it and create new coping strategies and all of that. Um, also, the problem with Vyvanse in particular is it causes what's called neuroadaptation. And your, your, your brain, remember, now we're not talking about our minds, which are powerful. We're talking about our brains. So our brain adjusts to that heightened dopamine. So over time, that original dosage becomes less effective. In other words, you become tolerant to it. And then, you know, you have more and more. And that raises the risks of side effects or dependence on it. And also it doesn't change the way you think. It doesn't change 
your relationship with yourself. It doesn't change your ability to, to, to respond to yourself. It doesn't change the way you think about yourself, the way you think about the world, the way you think about other people, the way you think about relationships. Um, and also, as soon as you stop taking this medication and others, uh, you, you, you just go back to the way you were before. It doesn't change anything for good. Um, and so you never like really learn different skills, different ways of thinking. Of course not. How can you? It's your brain. You can only learn, you know, by actively doing this with your mind. You've got to harness the power of your mind. Also, if you are just relying on some medication, then you're giving your power to this medication. It does not... It, it does not help you feel more of a sense of self-efficacy. It does not help you feel like, hey, I got this. I can meet a challenge. I can deal with this. I can figure out what's going on with me. I can learn a new way of expressing myself. I can learn a new way of coping. It, 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 it's so, so in other words, it's basically a mental band-aid. It manages the symptoms. Sure it does, you know, briefly. Everyone I know who's ever taken this medication was like, at first they were like, oh, this is awesome. And I don't know how much of that was, like, you know, power of suggestion. But then it didn't stick in the long run. Of course not, for all the reasons I just discussed. So it manages the symptoms. It doesn't address the root problems. And so you really have to, to create change, you really have to address those roots. That's why I talk about you know, emotional gardening. If you just pluck a weed, it will grow back. You do not have to be a gardener to know that. I myself am a terrible gardener. I totally have a black thumb. <laughs> um, and yet I know that if you pluck a weed, it will grow, it will grow back. You've got to get dig down and get to that root. And that root, why I particularly love this analogy, is that root is underground. You cannot see it but you know it's there because it is creating the weed. And it's the same with our relationship with ourselves and with food. We are often unconscious. Things are hidden from us out of our conscious awareness, but they have everything to do with what we're doing with food. When you dig deep and you find out those hidden motivations, then and you dig them out, then they're gone for good. Again, this is why I believe in the liberation, not recovery. Recovery means every day I'm going to be good. I'm going to follow my meal plan, mm -hmm, all of that. Who wants that? I want you to wake up and think about your day, not your diet. Liberation is waking up and thinking about your day, not your diet. It's when, oh, binge eating was that thing I used to do. No, I don't do that anymore. I don't even want to. Like, it's gone. It's gone for good. So there is hope. It is possible. But the way to do it is to change your relationship with yourself, with your emotions, with your conflicts, with your expectations you have on other people um, or how you should show up for other people. What I find a lot is that people uh, take care of other people really, really well. They take care of everybody in their lives really, really well. And then food takes care of them because by taking care of everybody else and you're just giving and giving and giving and giving and it leaves you empty and depleted and upset. 
and food fills that void and it keeps you, it silences you. It keeps you from thinking, mm, I am not okay with this state of things. I do not want to sacrifice myself to take care of other people. You will never have that thought if all you're thinking is, I can't believe I ate that. Oh my God. Right? So that is why, that is my answer on Vyvanse and why it uh, does not ultimately work, nor do, does Ozempic. The, uh, an, another thing, no one asked me the specific question, but this is what a comment I get a lot, is jealousy, Ozempic Mangiorna jealousy. Jealousy, because there are people out there who are just uh, giving themselves a shot every day and they've lost massive amounts of weight. Guess what? It is okay to be jealous. Jealousy is just a reaction to a situation. Of course you're jealous. It, it, it's easy. They, they just stick themselves with a needle and they, they've lost, you know, 50, 25, 50, 100 pounds. And they're just like, oh, oh everything's great. Well, guess what? Just wait and see. Because a lot of people thought gastric bypass back in the day was the key. And without going into names, I will say that uh, I, I, I have helped someone who was, um, I know I can't, I'm going to give it away, so I can't say that. But let's just say that there are TV shows like The, the Biggest Loser, where everyone lost all that weight because they were only paying attention to what they were eating and exercise, and they all gained all that weight back, plus more. Because if you don't focus on why you're eating and you only focus on what you are eating, it is a short-term solution. That's, you know, that's diets, that's medication, that's weight loss surgery. It, it Regain is, is a huge huge, huge. It's more like 86%. They'll tell you it's 50 something percent, but no, it's more like 80 something percent. You've got to focus on why you are eating and not just look at what you are eating. Okay. I have like maybe three minutes. So let me just, um, does anyone on Instagram have any other question? I'm happy to answer it. If not, I'm going to look at, uh, um, Okay, I'm just I'm just reading. Maybe I, you know, silence on a radio show is not optimal. So <laughs> let me just instead of reading silently, let me just I'll just pick pick one. Um, uh, I struggle with intense urges to overeat. What are some helpful strategies to manage cravings with more mindfulness? All right, so um, instead of using mindfulness, what are you really craving? You know, it feels like you're craving that food. Are you deprived of that food? So you really want, you're really craving the thing you cannot have. But what are you really craving? Are you craving the food? Or are you craving what that food will give you? Are you craving the relief you're going to get? Are you craving the distraction you're going to get from eating whatever it is that you're craving? So really drill down on or dig dig deep and look at uh what is what problem is that food going to resolve? If you are craving ice cream, consider that really what you're craving is a sense of comfort or peace or distraction or whatever it is. So what are you craving? That's not food. That is the question. 
Um, Heather is asking, do I save these lives on Instagram? I do not. However, this is actually a show on Voice America, The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina, and episodes are all available on both Voice America and uh, Apple Podcasts and all podcast channels. So if you DM me later, I will send you a link. Um, I think actually they're in my bio, the links are in my bio to at least Voice America and, and Apple Podcasts, but you can listen to these later anytime and subscribe subscribe to apple podcasts so you don't miss a thing um all right so i think that does it for me uh so yes if you're craving something ask yourself what is it that i'm really craving that's emotional what is it that i really need and that is the true problem binge eating is the solution to the problem. When you get really curious to the problem, get to those about the pro the true problem and dig it out, it's gone for good. So I will keep talking about this because I am here every Thursday at noon Pacific on Voice America and also live streaming here on Instagram unless I have a um unless I have a guest because you guys can't hear the guest. So it, then I, I I will not be here on those on those times. But other than that, I'm here every Thursday at noon. If you have any questions, uh, you can show up on Instagram. You can write me. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on drninainc.com. And I'm happy to answer any of your questions. You can also join my Dr. Nina's uh, uh, yeah, abusive parents are 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 so not great for your mental health. Yes, abusive parents create. By the way, I'm reading some someone's comment on Instagram, uh, and I talk a lot about abuse and trauma and the impact on our relationship with food. So again, thank you so much for joining me here. Uh, if you want a deeper dive into this topic, be sure to get your copy of my best-selling book. The Binge Cure, Seven Steps to Outsmart Emotional Eating, and also the accompanying The Binge Cure Journal. They are both available on Amazon, and uh, they are going to help you a lot, as is this show. So thank you again for joining me. Stay curious, not critical, and I will see you next week. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Each week, she offers valuable insights to stop emotional eating and give steps to lead a joyous life. Tune in next Thursday at 12 p.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.